Hey, this is Frankie from the Royal Belgian Beer Squadron, and you should totally check in the Scene World podcast. Hey, it's the Scene World podcast. My name is AJ, and that is Jörg over there in Germany. Hi, AJ, over there in the USA. Here in the USA, a place that is definitely not undergoing an armed insurrection no white nationalists but hey you are biden now <laughs> not yet Isn't that... not yeah. yet we've still got yeah. we've still got like another week for things to break hideously uh, and I'm, I'm just i'm yeah and i don't doubt that things can get worse because mm. it was like wow 2020 sucked and then it's 2021 happened and five days into it there's a dude in a freaking viking helmet in the Capitol building. But hey, we, we released five five episodes in the last month. Yes, we did, and I am frazzled. We caught up. Yep. Our backlog. Yeah, yes. In a minute, we are beginning a new backlog. Um, and we'll yeah. be talking to... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dennis Karimani, also known as Remute. Yes, and some astute listeners and or watchers may know that we've we've mentioned him in the past and we've shown some of the swag that we've received um but i didn't yeah. get yeah well i yeah i don't know why you didn't get anything yes uh, was lost in the post oh man so i'm waiting for the replacement to be mm, shipped mm. but this time with insurance and tracking i was told okay 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 but how about way. news yes yeah, so news uh, anyway, we were talking. What we were saying was that we're going to be talking to Remute in just a minute. Um, before that, though, there's a bit of news that we have to cover. Um, I'm, I've actually got a few bits. I'm going to start um, with the release from our very own Nick Vivid of CCGMS nice. 2021. Nice. Um, he's made a new co a new version of CCGMS, the final ver. Uh, what, what he says is uh, his 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 statement that goes along with it is, uh, "This is my final version of CCGMS. Uh, I found all the bugs I've been able to find and added all the features I want, wish to add, and will no longer be maintaining this program or running the support BBS for it after life." He's including the source code in the download link, uh, in case anyone wants to take it over and add more features. Um, and it's it is the best damn version of CCGMS that that I mean I of his, course his version the last one he true. made the CCGMS Ultimate was already the best version of CCGMS that I ever used just because and and I'll give you reasons for this um, one is um, it supports aside from the fact that it supports the Wi-Fi modems and super fast transfer rates you know, up to 38K, you know, like like good speed. Um, aside from that is the fact that um, it uses the REU, the RAM expansion. So instead of having, normally you, you'd, you'd have this, this file in memory and then you would get like a paltry little bit of buffer. And I've got a ton of buffers from boards way back in the 90s and late, whenever I was calling. Um, and you know they're they're they get pretty big, but they're not that big. Um, whereas this, you get a full 64k of buffer 
because it's using the REU to store that. Nice. Um, and another interesting thing is that uh, it is um, NTSC and PAL fixed. And you'd think to yourself, why the hell would a terminal program need to be NTSC fixed? And it's because the user port has timing issues. You know, it needs to be, you know, you need to be compatible with that. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's awesome. It's stable, which is something that I can't say for older versions of CCGMS. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I love it. It's Nick, it's Nick Vivid stuff. What, yes. What else yeah. I say? Yep. Um, it uses Swift. You can do Swift link. It'll let you use the ultimate, um, uh, the, 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 um, ethernet connection in ultimate 64 or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very awesome, uh, very awesome thing. And if you call boards, which you should, then you should download it and we'll put links to where you can get that down below. Nice. Um, also, um, since this was CCGMS 2021 and 2021 just started and along with 2021 started also started the MSX 2021 dev contest. Um, mm -hmm. that began nice. development contest. Yes. Nice. That began on January 1st. The deadline to submit entries is August 31st. Um, so enough time. Yes. Enough time. So this is, this is um, for games for the MSX, which, again, the MSX was a Z80 machine running at about 4 megahertz. Um, it had a um, AY38910 or whatever sound chip, um, 16K in memory. Um, you know, it was a machine that existed. And um, last year when they did it, um, it resulted in... 21 entries 21 brand new games for the msx nice um so that is now in effect if you're into the msx if you like using the computer or or coding on it especially um again the deadline is august 31st and then the results will be made public in october so there's quite a bit of time before um you know to get to get working on it so chop chop <laughs> nice nice <laughs> yeah all right you got anything well um i got papyrum running because oh yeah you were having problems is... with that weren't you yeah i had to buy a mega drive 2 okay. because my mega drive 1 is incompatible with papyrum but I thought somebody else also had a similar machine as you, and it also had yes, issues. Yes, it was. Or, or it didn't have issues. It didn't have issues, rather. It didn't have issues. Remote didn't have issues. Yeah. Despite you had the same model. Yeah. Which... And I just exchanged an email with Analog. Analog um, made the Mega SG, which is an FPGA-based um Recreation of the Mega Drive and well, what's it um, called? I, I, Mega SG. Okay. And I I asked them, are you aware that Paprium 
doesn't work on your machine and are you working on it and they wrote me they are rare look out for firmware updates hmm. in the future cool yeah because what uh, melon games is like all non-original consoles are emulation crap not supported hmm. how is the mega sg I I don't have one. I have the Super NT instead. Oh, okay. So which is the Super Nintendo okay. um, version of that um, console? Because it has this um, director's cut um, edition of Terrican. Yeah, you know from Factor Five, and that is why I bought the whole console hmm. because it's the only way to get the game. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at it now because you just mentioned it, and, I, and uh, as as we're talking, I'm looking up links to put in the podcast description. Makes and sense. It looks really, really nicely made. Honestly, the, the and this is the Mega SG, the Sega version. Now you've got the um, Super NT, the Super, Super NT, right? Got it. And that also yeah. looks pretty damn amazing. I know. Well, the price tag is pretty damn amazing too. Yeah, but I mean, in a negative, in a negative way. But I mean, for what you're getting, I mean, this is a thing. You can plug this. You plug the cartridges in. This is a fully functional. You know, it, it's not even. We talk about you know how they're coming out with you know the the, the minis and the the kind of the yeah. Reboots the difference and here. The difference here is it has continued. It has continued firmware updates mm -hmm. development which all the other consoles don't have right and it also the other consoles um they don't have like a floppy drive or something you know like like the the the, the 64 um maxi which is like the full-size c64 um doesn't have a floppy drive it doesn't have a connection for a floppy drive right you know it's a self-contained thing yeah uh whereas but this yeah. yeah, this has given you the ability to plug in your your uh, your Genesis or your Super Nintendo games. Yeah, but 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 you can't really compare it because AT games, AT games, they did they made um, Mega Drives with cartridge ports. Right. Okay. But as I said, those are emulators, not FPGA based. Mm -hmm. And anyway, the difference, the big difference here. Between the Retron 5 at Retron 7 and all the other consoles is that the analog consoles have continued firmware update support. Right. That means if you get a new a new aftermarket game like Peprium mm -hmm. or um, Unholy Night for Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. which was the, the first commercial game for the... Um, Super Nintendo after 22 years yeah. of no Super Nintendo games, and it didn't work. Well. And after um, four months, they released a firmware update. Yeah, approximately half a year. So that means, in contrast to all the other clone consoles, you can tell them, "Hey, this doesn't work. Hmm. Please fix it," and they will fix it. Yeah, yeah. That's. That's a big difference between the analog consoles, right, right, and um, what all the others are offering. Interesting thing is that they, um, you, you were talking about the price tag on it, and it is, uh, it's about one hundred and eighty, one hundred ninety dollars, 
which isn't terrible considering what you're getting. Uh, they also yeah, have but... a uh, they also have a uh, a pocket a portable game thing, which I'm curious what that is. Everything is out of stock. Nothing is available. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's a common problem with analog stuff. Yeah, you have to buy it while it's in stock for pre-order, yeah. or you have to hit notify me when it's in stock. The pocket is compatible the... with the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance game cartridge library, mm. and it looks, God, it looks nice. Yeah, anyway, you're not buying it because it looks nice. You're buying it because um, because of the firmware update. Yeah. So. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe I am kind of buying it because it looks nice. I don't. We don't judge. Whatever. No kink shame. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So, so we're talking about Paprium. Yep, we have been talking about Paprium. Yeah. So they are working on fixing it. Okay. On fixing it. Okay. Cool. There's a new version of Vice that's been released. Oh, nice! Really? Didn't As of know Christmas that. Eve, yeah, Christmas Eve 2020, Vice 3.5 was released with a big list of changes. One of which is a more modern interface, and. Um, they've removed support for OS 2 and Amiga OS because, you know, hmm. what are you going to do? Um, few of the changes are that the emulator timing is directly driven by the host audio system device. So Whatever that means. Well, that means that, so your computer um, runs at whatever megahertz your computer runs at. Uh, the emulator timing, I think, was sort of independent of everything else. Whereas now, something like the audio device on your computer is going to run at a specific speed, right? So now the emulator timing is directly timed to the sound device oh, of your computer, I see. which should make it more. I would imagine that that would that would um, get rid of some latency issues that you might find. Nice. Um, audio latency, yeah, audio latency is much lower on all platforms, which was one of the major issues with Vice was that the audio like there was some latency with stuff like that. Um, second and third joystick buttons are supported. Uh, mapping for the C sixty four joystick is there. Uh, it now emulates the LT kernel, uh, CMD hard drive, RAM link. Fixed improved native screenshots. It will. Oh, that's a biggins. The, what? the thing, one of the things that always drove me nuts about Vice is that is that if you take a screenshot in Vice, what it saves is invariably PAL um, aspect ratio. Okay, didn't know that because which, I'm I'm originally PAL. Yes, which drove me nuts. I, there was a video I put on on YouTube of the QLink demo running. And I realized afterwards that that this isn't what it's supposed to look like because QLink was an American piece of software, and and 
everything is sort of looking a bit squat and, and, and squared off. That's because we're looking at the aspect ratio of PAL, even though mm. I had the emulator set to NTSC. Okay, yeah, the screenshot function doesn't care about right. it. Right, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It just gives you that, that, you know, square pixel stuff. So, so that's a cool, that's cool. Um, it says it fit, they fixed the light gun emulation. Uh, wow, I didn't even know they had life, life gun, uh, light gun emulation in it. Apparently they do. Uh, more realistic modeling of the floppy drive wobble. Um, added four possible additional SID chips for a total of wow. eight. <laughs> if you, if you ever need that. <laughs> yeah. So we'll stick a link to where you can get that. Um, I know a lot of people have been, I know a lot of people say that you should stick with older versions of vice because of, changes. I never do. I don't I either. Do. I, I use it so little that it's not, worth it to me to stick to older versions i guess in some instances if you're coding or doing something you want the older one but for most of my if for most coding and graphics work i use the actual machine i don't i i can't i can't deal with emulation emulation i use just as a as a quick test or something just to make it just to see something um otherwise i don't i don't use it at all so it you know so yeah, I'm all about if there's improvements or whatever, I am totally down with that and that makes me happy. So, yeah, I'll download that um immediately. Nice. Uh so how about you? Got anything else? Nope. Oh, that's well, me. Well, then I guess I'm continuing to talk. Um sure. There's a new game for the 64. Uh, from Double G, um, it's someone's. It's it's Double G's very first game called Rabbit Runner. Okay, um, Rabbit Runner. So it's so so you're a rabbit um, trying to eat uh, farmers' crops, and I guess you're running away from him, and so you're you you have to run down three lanes. It's an infinite running game kind of thing. You know, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, that's big on like, you know, mobile gaming and you eat carrots and lettuce and a radish to get health. Um, and then you get bonus points every time you clear a level. And it is, it's a, it's a, it's a running down. You're, you're just running and trying to keep away from the farmer forever and ever and ever while eating while eating rabbits and it is it is sort of almost obviously somebody's first game but it's also cute and very retro in its cuteness like <laughs> that's that's the best way i can describe it is is it's very nostalgic for me because i look at it and it's like this is the sort of thing that I might have downloaded from Q-Link in like the 80s or 90s or, or you know whenever it was you know because this is the sort of game that you'd find there you know so we'll put a link to where you can get that um, and you said it's NTSC or was that it, yeah mistake? it looks like it's NTSC from what I'm looking at I don't know where this guy came from but um, 
Maybe it isn't NTSC. Uh, maybe uh, uh, maybe it's maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. The, the screenshot that I'm looking at looks like NTSC. But oh no, no, it says the game was coded and tested on a PAL system, but NTSC works uh, with the timing a little bit off. But they intend that, mean, that to, means not right perfectly fixed. Right, but they intend to create a proper NTSC version in the future. In the future, I'm sure by the time we release this, somebody will have cracked it, and it'll be, you know, fixed. yeah, it'll already be fixed. So, so that's yeah, that's the thing. Uh, the cracking scene is still active. Is this a commercial game? No, it's not a commercial game. It's just ah. somebody's game that they put out, and ah, okay, it's, it's somebody's very first game. Double okay, G. Whoever right. Double G is, it's their very first game, and um, it's sort of a... Like I said, it's obviously someone's very first game, but it's sort of also cute. Um, spe uh, right. Also, speaking of games that are available, um, there is a... this And this news comes from Vintage is the New Old. Mm. Um I guess there was a, a game for the uh, the Spectrum, the ZX Spectrum, called Nixie the Glade Sprite. Okay, I've heard of that. That came out in 2018. Um, there is now a version coming out for the C64. Hmm. Um, and it looks like a pretty good... It's It's a nicely drawn... Nicely drawn and nicely produced game. And when you look at who did it, it's code by Anthony Sava. Um, art and concept by Andy Johns, who did the original. Um, it's going to be available as a digital download and a C64 cartridge. So that is pretty good. Um, but yeah, it is... It looks good. It looks it's it's a solid looking game, and I guess the the Spectrum version was also a solid game. Um, nice. So we'll put again, you know, link to that in the description. And finally, my last bit of of news. Actually, I think that's it. Nice. That's nice. all I got. So let's let's jump to yes. Remute. Remute is over there. Let's take Remute off of mute. Let's unmute him. <laughs> also, also, ooh, uh, also, Martin is here and is hanging out over there as well. I totally forgot to say that in the right. beginning. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not that good in um, studying this. So Alrighty. So while 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 our while our other co-moderators are drinking, <laughs> I'm going to start here. So today we are having another musician interview. And this would be Remote, uh, also also known as Dennis Karimani. Hello, from Hanover, hey. Germany. Nice Welcome to meet you. To and nice to meet you. Greetings. Great. So, um, we actually talked to you because you have a special thing that you are known for. Uh, basically, you are um, a techno DJ, right? And right. You are releasing your stuff on special exotic media. One could Contento. say, Contento. right? Yeah. 
So let's start right at the beginning. When did you start your music career and why and how? All right. So as you said, I'm a techno DJ and I've started making music around, um, yeah, it's now 20 years ago. In 2002, I had my, my first record. It's called Hypno Console. Hypno Console or Hypno Console on German. <laughs> And uh, since then, I released a um, bunch of records on some old school techno labels like Trezor or Ladomat. And um, in 2008, I started my own label, which is called Remute, simply as that. And also made a lot of records on vinyl and some albums. But I think um, Remute 2.0 started at around 2019 when I began releasing my music on very uncommon media like cartridges. Uh, I think kind of reinvented myself 2019, which is which is a cr quite a hard thing today because uh, uh, it seems like everything is invented already in electronic music and you have so many possibilities and um, coming up with something different is, uh, yeah, it's it's a kind of journey. And you also released it on floppy disks. That's right, that's right. I had an album in 2017 called Limited, which was a hybrid release on, on vinyl and floppy disk. It included some mod files on the floppy disk uh, because I'm still using trackers a lot for making music. And uh, it was a very fun thing to make. And is there a favorite system you're working on? Is it? Is it? Uh, do you have a favorite like me? It's the Amiga, you know. So uh, you you made a lot of other stuff. Uh, just want to make some. Um, perhaps you know this. Ah, uh, okay. It's your nice. <laughs> Super Famicom album. Um, nice. But uh, as me as an Amiga fan, I want to know what is your favorite system. <laughs> right. Um... Well, when I'm tracking, when I'm using the tracker, I think my favorite system is still the Amiga 600 because it's a very convenient way of tracking and it's still a lot of fun to, to do it on a real Amiga because for the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but when I'm doing music for, for um, consoles like the Super Nintendo or the Mega Drive, I'm actually doing it on a PC and using Windows programs. I mean, I'm not an I'm not I'm not a tracker expert for mod files, but I think to remember that even the PC has some mod trackers available, right? That's right. That's so right. it's not that's... it's not Amiga exclusive, if I'm not mistaken. There's a really uh, convenient and cool thing called OpenMPT for Windows. Um, it's a kind of universal tracker where you can use various mod. Uh, tracker formats like IT or MOD or XM, everything in one program and uh, with, with a very um, the very slick user interface, very nice to use for Windows. And when you're going to, to make music for consoles like the Mega Drive or the Super Nintendo, there's a pretty cool tracker called Devil Mask, which I'm using a lot. And um, yeah, these are my programs. I love trackers. I love trackers more than than DIWs. Yeah. Okay, but did you did you just uh, 
there there's a track on the PC called Renoise. So yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a hybrid too. It's, it's a hybrid between a mod tracker and a DAW using VST instruments. Yeah, Did you right. use this? I'm using this for more, uh, let's say, for more advanced tracks which which use VSTs, which use modern uh, equipment. I, I prefer to use Renoise, of course. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, before before uh, using trackers, I was very much into. Um, well, vanilla DIWs like Ableton or or of FL Studio, uh, but when you dive deep into trackers, then you don't really don't want to go back anymore. In my case, okay, yeah. There's one thing I'm interested in. I mean, um, releasing music on cartridge has been done by other musicians. Also, like Trominal on on the Game Boy or other people releasing a digital album on the NES. And um, the thing is that though Nintendo gave the agreement, they said like it would be strictly limited to only 50 units or something. So I wonder, as um, you also released it on the Mega Drive, was Sega different when you approached them and asked for permission? Were they more open-minded to more quantities or less limitations, restrictions? Or how did that work? There were no restrictions at all because these are aftermarket projects which don't need uh, to have a permission of uh, Sega or Nintendo either. And so I didn't ask anyone for permission. And... Um, <laughs> Everyone is is free to make his own projects for for these consoles because it's not a it's not a pirate project it's not a pirate copy of a game because mm. uh, it's a new project and you can do what you want so though that means the others curious. that means the others who asked for permission did it because they were afraid of consequences probably I think so I think so because also legally you don't have to fear any consequences because it's an aftermarket project with with uh, with a system which has been reverse engineered by companies like Analog, for example, and there are no patents anymore, and so anyone can make um, games or music projects for it. There's no legal obstacles. Mm-hmm. No. Good, good point. So, yeah. so, so how did the brain, uh, the brain work start? I mean, like, did you did you wake up someday and say it like, hey, let's re- let's release the next album on floppy disk? Or, I mean, how did you get the idea? I mean, the problem is that um, you you have the thing like, of course, you can get you know external floppy disk drives and so on, but but now you have the problem that even many people can't read or listen to your album? Well, um, to answer your first question, I think the process was quite organic. It was like um, I was using a lot of trackers and I was using, I was, I made a lot of mod files. And so I thought, how can I release them uh, kind of authentically to be, um, <laughs> to, to get people in a special mood for listening. So I thought, like, um, let's do it on a floppy disk because uh, that's the thing um, where mod files got distributed back in the days. And um, I think a very important point in listening to music is, is the mood and the feeling you can get the people in. And um, 
doing it via such gimmicks is is a very nice little feature which is uh, not so unimportant and um that's the story behind limited for example the album which is a hybrid on vinyl and um disc same goes for the albums on cartridge uh, i think uh, i could just had uh, i had to wait to release the music also only on cd or on vinyl but i think that wouldn't have been an authentic way because i think when you're listening to mega drive music the process of popping a cartridge in is also a big uh, step in, in the music enjoyment and so i had to do it this way well the thing is, third-party cartridges, especially on the Mega Drive and uh, Super Nintendo in the last years, got some kind of negative press because of, you know, flashcard adapters over-voltaging the system using, yeah. using cheap Chinese components and then yeah. on the long run weakening the system and destroying it. So... It must be difficult where um, in such a time to release such a cartridge. Anyway, it makes 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 uh, sure it's not harming the system. Yeah, that's right. In the case of the Super Nintendo cartridge, it's a it's a completely custom designed PCB. PCB. It's not a flashcard in any way. It's um, completely custom designed by a guy from Sweden called uh, Mr. Tentacle. He's very much into uh, reproduction stuff and uh, things like that. And he made a completely custom PCB board for my for my Super Nintendo project. And um, it's very it's a very nice and um, well balanced product, which of course didn't harm the console. And uh, very happy with it. Ah, so you were aware of the press Absolutely. surrounding that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, when when Capcom re-released the um, Mega um, the X Men X Men cartridges, they even put a, a, a line on it saying "could cause fire," you know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a joke. They had to do that for legal reasons, you know. <laughs> right. right, I'm fully aware of that, and uh, it was very important when designing the PCB to have something safe for the user, and uh, so we did it. You know, I mean, this is a little um, mind change since the, the last couple of years where you say, okay, I rather try to not break it or repair it. Well, and yeah. 20 years ago, it was more, more like, oh, you can toss it. I will buy another one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the mind changed a bit. Still, here. you don't want to pop in a cartridge and have your machine explode. No, no. <laughs> you yeah, well, can't get a new one. It's not. It's not really <laughs> the best outcome. You can listen to the music without having a fire in their flat. Yeah. <laughs> you, can consider, yeah, yeah um, you can consider that like a light show that goes along with it, maybe, you know? <laughs> Very spectacular in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, the, the, as, as my, I mean, I mean I'm, not, I'm not a hardware expert, but I guess the problem was it would, it would destroy the console over time. Um, yeah. now, now, as Martin... Uh, had this um, hyper hyper um, now I forgot Superboy Superboy, Superboy yeah. exactly I forgot Oops, the name yeah. Superboy clone I wonder was that a thing when you um, when you developed the cartridge to make sure it's working on clone system and not only on the original hardware by Nintendo 
yeah, in this case, we we wanted to make sure it has a very huge tolerance also for for clone systems, which is which was a little bit easier to achieve than let's say for the Mega Drive album, which was very critical for um, for clone consoles and didn't run on every clone console properly. And but the Super Nintendo album is, is a is a project which really runs also on on clone consoles. Yeah. I, th I think it run, runs quite well. It has something to do, probably also with the with the technology which uh, which is behind it, the music, which how it is is generated, and uh, it's much more tolerant to run on clone systems than the Mega Drive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now we learn it's not that easy to make a clone cartridges and releasing your own album nowadays because you have so much things to consider. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a quite huge technological journey with a lot of pieces coming together. It's not only making music, it's not only tracking some music, it's also having a good team of of a of a pretty good coder and also a pretty good engineer and I was very happy to have this team and um making the puzzle work. Yeah. Actually <clears throat> worked out well because uh, I I never had this Mega Drive um, release, but I saw videos on YouTube um, having the real experience with it, not just the music with the machine. Because there I have to go uh, back briefly a little bit because uh, I wanted to agree with you. Really have to agree that uh, listening to music is is a thing which nowadays is just becoming listening to some background background noises it's just uh, opening a streaming thing and that's it or, or just uh, turning on the radio and that's it it's not uh, actually listening to music it's just having it in the background yeah remember and, the days uh, when you'd like lay back and put on a whole pink floyd album and just listen to the whole thing from cover to cover yeah and and one thing which really got uh, forgotten is um, that, that is a thing that, which came to my mind some uh, weeks ago when i I had a Sunday breakfast with my family, and 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 I asked my son to to um, just get one vinyl and and put it on the on the on the vinyl player, and uh, he got there and, and and said, yeah, which track? I say I said just start from the beginning. It's an album. Just try because uh, someone had an idea making this album, so he had this idea why to put this track on first place, uh, putting the next track on second place, etc. And it's it's not that just having playlists with your favorite music or just having anything. It's it's just you get this feeling turning on this thing, getting it directly working, and then listening to it. And you had some work to do. It's 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 a little bit like uh, how do you say it? if you give a dog some some foods, he's he's happy with it, and you get happy uh, turning on the vinyl and putting the needle on. And in this case. Okay, that's nice to have this little um, uh, Superboy thing, but turning on your Super Nintendo, on your TV set in the background, playing start, it's it's a decision you make. Then you start making the decision, I will now listen to this track, and you will listen to it. And that's a, it's, it's a thing people forgot, and it makes me happy, to be honest. It's ha making me happy with, because on the consoles, the music has just one more, how do you say... Um, Another one more dimension. It's, it's yeah, you know? and yeah, yeah. So I'm really happy 
to see this and, and what I wanted to say I'm really happy to see that you ju don't just get your mods playing there that's the thing I can do too for me but it's also on the Mega Drive you have this Mega Drive stylish video sequences rendered things and and on the on the Super Nintendo this menu which is it's just only on the Super Nintendo it's not a Amiga style looking thing and that's awesome indeed I'm really happy you feel this way because I I wanted to exactly achieve this to have another uh, dimension in listening in the listening process, and uh, I wanted to make something kind of rewar rewarding for yeah. when, when you put out your Super Nintendo when you have to pop in the cartridge. It's it's a little bit more work than clicking on a song on Spotify, <laughs> and um, yeah. in the end, the user gets gets rewarded with something. Yeah, I don't want to say it sounds pretty pretty <laughs> probably too huge but it's probably something more exclusive than um than having a, just something on spotify yeah yeah it's a as, reward as we have as we are international here and we have aj in america i wonder how did you go with the um timing issues american european consoles how did you go about that did you uh, even consider it that it would play correctly if the album is played in America? Yeah, that was a very important thing. We, we wanted to um, make it um, universal for every, for every console. And uh, we also designed the, the plastic case to fit also in the, in the NTSC version of the Super Nintendo because it's quite different. And uh, you, you, usually you can't pop in a Super Famicom or European Super Nintendo cartridge into an American Super Nintendo. Really? And Yeah, yeah, they're quite yeah. different. I did yeah. not know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, it's, different. and it's the same with the Mega Drive 2, huh. to some yeah. extent. Yeah. 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 So we had to uh, use a plastic shell that, uh, that, that fits into a... Into an American console, and uh, of course, we also needed to have a program which probably plays on PAL and NTSC regions. And um, nice. in order to achieve this, we we had to code the player in a way that um, makes it run in uh, in the same tempo on all consoles. Because if we wouldn't put focus on this issue, it would uh, I think it would run. 10% faster on NTSC consoles if we didn't tweak it this before. But it was very important to have the same experience worldwide, yeah. I'm amazed by how much brain work you put into that. Because we, yeah. we spoke to other people before and like, hmm, I didn't know or didn't <laughs> didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know? Like, pff, who well, cares? Even, yeah. We were just recently talking about how even most games back on the, uh, the C64 and stuff in America, they would They would NTSC fix it to make it work, but they didn't actually fix the timing. So all the game music that I grew up with and all the demo music and stuff, it's all 10% faster than what it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Because if we, if we didn't fix this, it would be, it would run just faster. And I think some tracks wouldn't, wouldn't work in a, in a fast way and uh, <laughs> would destroy the experience. So it was very important to, to fix this problem. Yeah. And um, as I said before, it was a kind of technological journey and uh, many pieces of a puzzle came together. The, w the weird thing is, is after you grow up hearing it, like, you know, play 10% faster, when you finally hear it the way it's supposed to be, it's like, no, no, it's too slow. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to be. Yeah. 
That's how I feel every time I, I play summer games, you know, because here in Germany or Europe, we heard it too slow and we are well, known to that. I feel know? like all the summer games is too slow, regardless of. Yeah, I know. I, but you I can't know, skip I... the intro sequence. Why can't you skip the intro sequence? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I know. You are not a fan of the series. <laughs> I know. Winter I know. games is good. I like winter games. Winter games is awesome. Summer games is all is just a cobbled together mess. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the C sixty four, did you? I, I I don't know. Did you ever uh, release on on C sixty four to this day? Yeah, I had some tracks produced on the C sixty four. Actually, on the C sixty four tracker for the iPad, and oh. I think it's a vivid tracker. It's a pretty cool thing. You can produce your own. Um, Set files there, I think, yeah. And so I produced, I think, three tracks for the C64 and uh, made it, um, made also a, a hybrid release on a, on a five and a quarter inch uh, floppy disk. Okay. And bundled together with a seven inch. Uh, the, the, yeah, the release is called Computer Communication. It came out in 2018. Yeah. I wonder all those releases we are talking about, are they still available for? Purchase? Um, Techno Optimistic for the Mega Drive is sold out. Uh, I don't think there would will be another cartridge run of it. You can still buy the ROM file on a CD via Bandcamp. The Super Nintendo album is still available, and the C64 thing I just talked about is also available there yeah. uh, on Bandcamp, all on my Bandcamp. But not physically anymore. Uh, well, uh, the C64 it's, and the Super Nintendo album are still available physically, yeah. Oh, the Mega Drive okay. sold out. I, I don't think there will be a, another run anymore. Was it too complex to make this custom board and stuff, probably, for such a quantity? Yeah, the quantities are limited, let's say, yeah. They are not endless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I thought about that, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. problem. <laughs> Interesting. So now I know what I can get when when I have spare money left in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Getting an album for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's interesting that um, somebody releases on a floppy disk. Um, and I wonder this three dot five inch floppy disk release you said with the mod files on it was that universally compatible with PC and Amiga? Yeah, it, it, it was just a Windows uh, formatted floppy disk with the mm. mod files on it. It wasn't an Amiga floppy disk. And uh, so everyone could purchase it and uh, just um, swap the files over on your PC or Mac or Linux, whatever, and listen with your favorite mod program. Mm. Yeah. So... I just want to. I just want to update computer yeah. communication. The um, the uh, floppy disk uh, version is sold out, but you can still get it as on. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about, forgot about this. The floppy disk version is sold out. Yeah, the um, the vinyl is still available. Mm. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, no it. problem. No problem. <laughs> until to until today, I didn't even know about it about its ex existence. So, I mean, I mean, I know a lot of projects, but sometimes I'm even missing something, you know. So, okay. 
I think it just sold out a couple of days ago, and uh, I forgot about it. And uh, sometimes I, I'm losing the, the view about my quantities a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> well, what is the? Uh, which one is the the one that's on floppy? The the, the pretty Amiga. Yeah, it's the it's the it's called limited. Yeah, limited. Okay, limited. That is also sold out. You can get the the. <laughs> you, the it's. The, I think I think everything is sold out except for the digital album, actually. <laughs> so, but but the but, no no, no the I'm, so, thing, I'm sorry, the vinyl is still available. Well, well, the good thing is, if you are lucky, you you still can find good offer on on eBay and something for discats. That that shouldn't be a reason to re. I mean, there shouldn't be a reason to not re-release it. Would you Would you yeah. think about um in, uh including like a uh. Like a, a disc image with the vinyl, so that people can kind of make you know yeah, yeah. grow their own. I think, I, I, think um, I will either make a repress of limited because um, floppy discs are quite easy to get on eBay, also new old, new old stock. But the idea with uh, attaching the mod files on, on the digital release is also quite an interesting idea, and um, mm. I think there will be. I think there will probably most likely be a reprint of limited, yeah, because it's much easier to reproduce if if you really um, reproduce the floppy disk stuff let me know and i will be your customer for sure yeah because... no i just I, I literally just went there to, I, I literally just went to the site to buy it yeah <laughs> you see hey <laughs> yeah we, we are we are real here we are real <laughs> all right so, so, um, what are, I mean, are there other projects you can talk about that you have in your head, or is that a secret? And, and there are, I want to point out that on, on the Bandcamp, there are, there are a lot of, of albums, and there are, there are a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, vinyl available, and they're all, like, you know, we're not talking ridiculous prices, we're talking like, like, six, six euro, seven euro. Yeah, which is very important for you to not have ridiculous prices like some and I also like to um, offer some reasonably priced shipping that's also very important for me because I saw many labels who have like uh, five dollar uh, vinyl releases but thirty dollars shipping price it's just doesn't make sense yeah and um, so I like to offer some reasonably priced shipping to them oh jeez uh, oh jeez okay okay Oh, it's um, it's it's good that we are not live there's here. There's a big lizard. In oh, the yeah. <laughs> not to not to not to take things off of uh, off track here, but <laughs> so I'll use this time and uh, start buying some some of your releases on vinyl. Because uh, I just it's it's uh, just as I pointed out, it's it's it, uh, vinyl is my favorite uh, uh, media for for music listening, and I have. I, I asked my wife uh, one day, I, I said that I personally would like to have thousand, the, the most important thousand finals of my music career in the in the basement, uh, not the basement, in the, in the living room. And uh, yeah, I got it done. So I will add some real vinyl now. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. To answer your question, uh, I'm always working on the next project. Um, it's it's like I never I never rest 
really. I, I always have to work on something. And um, of course, it's a secret because I don't want to spoil the fun. But mm-hmm. um, one project I can tell you about is, uh, is a bonus release for, for the Super Nintendo album. It's called The Cult of Mute Portable. It just came out for the Nintendo DS. Oh, yeah. And, but not a cartridge for the Nintendo DS because um, it was quite imp- impossible to make a real cartridge for the Nintendo DS. So we decided to distribute a uh, ROM file on an SD card. Yeah. Really? Quite impossible? On, on the third party music games? Yeah, they are, but but you can't um, you can't mass produce them anymore. They're like there are no new Nintendo DS games anymore, so you can't um, you can't uh, step into this business anymore. It wasn't there wasn't a possibility. I had the possibility to work with some pirates probably from China, but I didn't want to do this because <laughs> I think the quality of these cartridges is is just low, and so we. Uh, we decided to just distribute a Nintendo DS file on a SD card. It was coded by a quite interesting uh, theme guy called Revenant. Probably you know him. I think he's in Desire or on, in Resistance, probably, I think, the demo group. Mm-hmm. And uh, made also some pretty cool levels for Doom. He's quite uh, a lot into Doom uh, what files. And um, he coded the player for Cards of Remit Portable, which is which is uh, only a bunch of WAV files um, converted into the Nintendo DS format. But it's a nice bonus release for the summer, and um, quite happy I did it with revenues. That's very interesting. Uh, what what me ma- what makes me very excited is that there are um, platforms like the Nintendo DS, which which is not that new but not that old. But we actually have more physical releases on platforms like the C64, more actual releases in big boxes on cartridges, on floppy disks, than for such new systems. That's uh, crazy. We are living in crazy times. Yeah, I think the, the retro aspect is probably quite important here because um, these little cartridges for the Nintendo DS just don't look so fancy. They look like, <laughs> like common SD cards. They look like Technology you use today, you still use today, but when you're dealing with big boxes or cartridges or floppy disks, they have this retro sexiness, and you just fall for it. And um, I think it's a pretty important aspect to to have to to deal with technology that isn't available anymore today. Don't forget about tapes and the emergency pen. No, no, forget about tapes. Well, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, audio yeah. on tapes is fine, but don't be loading things off the of tapes. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I have to admit, I wasn't never a fan of tape. Uh, also, not uh, tape releases or tape music releases, because when I'm using tapes, um, I don't know. It's probably just me. Uh, I think every time I'm using a tape, it happens that the tape gets destroyed from my <laughs> cassette player. Really. <laughs> I, I, I never, I never had a tri- destroyed cassette in my life. One of, the, of... One of the, the the things that people talk about with with vinyl and with cassettes is that you know I I had a a copy of the Division Bell, this Pink Floyd album, on cassette. It was a cheap. It was badly made. It was like the it was like this weird soft blue plastic. It was really crappy. 
and and my 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 tape deck ate it constantly. And so in the middle oh. of one song, there's a there's just a bloop, you know, because it, it there, it's been crimped. But I listen to it so much that now when I hear the song, like uh, you know, on on MP3 or or, or over Spotify or whatever, it sounds wrong because I'm so used to hearing that blip in the middle. <laughs> From that thing, and, and one <laughs> okay. of the arguments people had for this was that is that everybody's listening experience is a little bit different because of that, and and that's something that's good. I can't stand that because you know because it's it's there, there's there's something to be said for having a unique listening experience, but there's also something to be said for like you know it's it's also you should also be hearing it kind of in the way that the artist intended to rather than. You know, with a with a missing yeah. half second or a little fart noise or something. Well, <laughs> probably I was lucky because I got a stereo in '92 with a digital cassette deck, mm-hmm. so it would it would control the cassette to not act out. Oh no no no! I mean, I had a good, I had a good cassette deck. No, it was a cheap cassette. It was toward, it was in okay. like '95 or something. Towards the okay. end when they started stopped making them. I see. It was yeah. just I went through three of those things. It's like that that cassette. The, the okay. division bell was just badly made. Because from our own Nick Vivid, the yes. cassettes are still working. Yes, I have not played yeah. my Nick Vivid cassette because I'm afraid of it getting eaten. Well, so mine just, I just get look at it, and 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 I I've played it a couple of times. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's I guess it's fine. <laughs> anyway, well, stick to vinyl. That's perfect for me. Yes, ah. vinyl. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's interesting when when I was young, or when we all were young, uh, vinyls were still called records, and it was yeah. called record player. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that's how things change, you know. Yeah. And uh, just a few years ago, I was looking for for a portable cassette player, you know, a Walkman. Yes. No, <laughs> now it's now it's called tape to USB converter. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I'm like, okay, I don't need this USB connector, but thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I just want to have one more question, because as we are sitting here, I just uh, have to say, go to Bandcamp, buy some remote uh, products. <laughs> I just did. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you. How is, how, yeah, no problem. How is your connection to the scene, actually? Because... Uh, my first remute experience was uh, at the revision party 2018, where yeah, you had the DJ set, and uh, I I don't know if it was I didn't think it was uh, real Amigas. It was uh, actually on on PCs. Yeah, it was, but, it was a simulation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you also played a lot of let's say hits from the past, um, like one of my all-time favorite mods called. Altered States 2. <laughs> and, oh, uh, that's I, classic, yeah. I, and, and I really forgot about this. And I was sitting there in this revision room, partying with people, and actually had this. Uh, we, we partied to your music, and and uh, all of a sudden I heard Altered States. I I was I was electrified. I was <laughs> okay. This, nice. This, nice. Was, this was my favorite moment of this party. And, okay. Uh, so, uh, but uh, beforehand, to be honest, I never heard of you. So, uh, that, that, no. So, what's your relation to the scene, and are you planning doing new stuff scene-related, not just uh, yeah. making music for the, uh, let's say, Bandcamp? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm quite well connected to the scene. Uh, also a member of TRSI, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, there you um, go. But um, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really a huge admirer of the scene. I'm following the stuff since many years. I'm a huge fan of all productions. And um, uh, my first revisions were like uh, I went there as a fan and lover of of the art people make and um so um over the time i got in touch with many seniors and um many friends of, from the scene and um i think uh, it's it's very inspiring to to be a part of such events like revision because um it's not only about the music it's all, it's also about art in general i think it's it's mm-hmm. a mix of everything and um it just feels good to to get lost into art for three days. And um, so uh, I really much enjoy playing at events like Revision because it's it's quite different than, let's say, playing at Berghain, yeah? Mm-hmm. I, of course, it's, it's awesomely cool to play at Berghain, but it's all only about the music and about about having a blast at Berghain. But um, when you go to Revision, it's, it's about um, the whole experience on on many levels, like video, audio, video, disco, I call it. Yeah. yeah. So are you planning doing stuff now after Corona times next year? Hopefully will be uh, new parties, better parties, bigger parties, perhaps. Are you planning doing stuff there too? Absolutely. Uh, as you said, I really hope there will be a, there will be again real demo scene events because um, I have to say the, virtual events of the revision and the other demo parties were awesome they were very well organized but mm. i think the real experience is still uh, yeah. the thing yeah <laughs> and i really hope that it will be again and so um i'm really into it and uh, of course yeah i'm as i said i'm also quite involved into trsi and uh, i think there will be many some many interesting projects there yeah that, this is nice to hear. So hopefully uh, for the next revision, perhaps there could be a back-to-back uh, because uh, if, you, if you're interested in playing on real hardware, because uh, uh, on, in 2019 we had a live set. It's what it was Mayer and me were playing on the Amigas, and uh, it was a little set but quite nice because people were raving mad and at two o'clock in the morning. That was awesome and. Uh, so uh, I could you imagine doing a back-to-back set perhaps on Real Muse? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm really into it, and uh, still a lot. Into, uh, nowadays, I'm I'm more focusing on Remute live sets, live concerts, but a, a back-to-back Amiga DJ set with my favorite mods. I'm always into it, always. So we have this recorded, mates. <laughs> <laughs> now, will we leave it in when it's edited? That's the question. <laughs> I will cut it off for me. It's just from, from my mobile. Hey, look what you said. <laughs> yeah, well, um, well, I mean, I mean, the, of course, that's the uh, that was the, the positive side of it. Normally, we have to explain who we are and why we want to talk to somebody. But in this case, you were like, oh, I know Scene World. I'm reading your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm following your stuff like for for several years now and uh, yeah very interesting and so I'm very happy to be here and uh, talk to you thanks oh, the pleasure is all ours yeah. I guess <laughs> yeah <it is. laughs> yeah I mean I mean you are very um, how to say you are very 
um, flexible in what you do, you know, different platforms, different aspects, and you are very focused on detail, it appears to me, you know. I mean, even even thinking about the quality of the components of of the yeah. uh, PCB, and so, that's really going down to a detail that normally a musician, you know, wouldn't care about, you know, like, ah. Right, right. I think mm, I wouldn't call myself a musician anymore. I, I, I think I prefer the term music programmer because it, it really fits more into the stuff I'm doing because I also have to take care of um, of the technical aspects like uh, putting the code together and um, and taking care of the PCBs and stuff like that. And uh, I think um, when you make electronic music this way, you really have to um, focusing on more things than just like the just on the music. You have to, um, as I said, you have to make sure that all pieces of the puzzle fit together. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's it's even it's even crazy to think about it that um, this thing retro is big enough to even cause scandals. You know, like destroying consoles um, over a longer time and so on. I mean, that even somebody cared to go down to this level and um, and um, try to measure what voltage is going into the system by a cartridge and so on. Why would I do that? I'm happy enough that it runs, you know? But somebody felt the irk of going down to the component level and have a deeper look in what's happening inside, you know? So... That's, Everybody that's, should feel free to do whatever he wants uh, or she wants. And um, I think um, it's interesting that people are going into detail, of course. And um, it's it's also very interesting to see that um, the retro scene is, is getting quite huge these days. It's not just a small thing anymore. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah. yeah, I think your magazine is called Scene World. It's really a scene world today, and um, it's not just a scene village; it's a scene world. <laughs> scene village, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's even a scene universe today. It's it's got really big. Yeah, yeah and and it's growing bigger. I mean, I think it was three years ago when somebody reverse engineered this uh, this CD interface of the. Saturn. Of the Saturn, yeah, the Sega Saturn. Now you can even produce third-party games, maybe albums too, for the Sega Saturn because somebody felt the urge to re-engine, to reverse engineer the yeah. um, CD communication protocol because his CD drive was broken and he he couldn't get a replacement even not in Japan, you know. <laughs> so like, wow. The user called Doctor Abrasive, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. He he even yeah, traveled. He even traveled to Japan trying to get a new drive. Awesome <laughs> thing, because the Sega Saturn is really a kind of um, programming mystery, and uh, <laughs> the, the devils back then were really overwhelmed by the dual core um, architecture of the system and uh, had some massive problems developing games for it. Um, but having this re-engineered makes it really interesting. I, I really hope there will be a kind of Saturn um, clone console like the Mega SG or the Super NT stuff mm, like uh, mm. doing. And um, um, 
I really like the stuff from Analog because these are not clone consoles. These are reverse engineered um, pieces of technology, and uh, it's very fascinating. I know. I know. Yeah. Interestingly, they even they even go this far um, and really fixing their firmware when new um, aftermarket cartridges are released that don't run. They even spend the time in uh, in fixing that because one game doesn't work. I mean, it took half a year for them to fix it, but they did it, you know? But they did it. They did it finally, and uh, I think it's pretty amazing. And uh, I myself, I own a Mega SG, and um, I think... Um, Especially for the sound, it's I think it's the the best Mega Drive you can have mm. for sound because it's really high quality and um, you can also um, make some tweakings on the virtual sound chip and uh, it's very fascinating. And uh, do you yeah. actually do you actually know why the sound emulation and chips are so weird on the on the um, Mega Drive? Yeah, I think it's because. Um, they were using quite different revisions of the sound chip and the various Mega Drive models. I think the Model 1 had the kind of best sound chip from Yamaha. The Model 2 was very crappy. And uh, I think the Model 3, which was US exclusive, wasn't that good either. Uh, I think um, the problem with the sound chip is it's pretty hard to emulate because FM synthesis is a very complex thing. And it... Um, but I think they did it quite right with the Mega SG. Yeah, we, we once spoke to Stefano Arnold from Tech Toy in Brazil, and when they redid the when they did the limited edition 2017 of the Mega Drive for the Brazilian market, they actually had to re-engineer a Yamaha clone because Yamaha wouldn't help and wouldn't have any um, well units left. And wouldn't produce uh, the sound chips anymore. So, uh, for some reason, information about the Yamaha sound chip in the Mega Drive is very rare. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty. That's probably a quite serious issue here, and um, a lot of emulators are not that good when it comes to sound. I think also the official Mega. Drive Mini wasn't perfect in, in terms of sound, and um, uh, I I once tried to make the Techno Optimistic run, run run on it, but it failed to work because I think the sound driver just hangs, and um, I think the the problem is that FM synthesis is is quite hard to emulate, and um, yeah. Maybe somebody should make a Kickstarter for Yamaha to <laughs> reproduce them, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, um, I would I would like to have some more VSTs using um, these sounds nowadays. Uh, last week we had an interview with Mike Clark, actually, who is a veteran in video game music um, for the Commodore 64 and the Amiga, actually, and uh, he did uh, a VST called Insidious for uh, yeah. the reactor plugin from Native Instruments, and uh, we had a, a talk to him and. And actually, I was excited for also this this, this uh, look for perfection in it, because he had this thing going for for how do you say for nothing for just for, for no money, and, no and profit, it was yeah. yeah it was usable but it was it only was 95 percent 
of, of the perfection. And he really worked hard the last years for, for, for achieving a really actual sounding VST with both chips for the C64. This is actually uh, amazing. It's it's the 6581 and the 8580. So, and I would like to have some more stuff like this uh, from Sega or Super Nintendo for, for the PC, actually. And there are things, but they, they are just just sounding like it's not the thing. Yeah. You, know, you know, the main problem is, I mean, I mean, we, we are doing interviews and stuff. When, when, when uh, the SNES Mini and the NES Mini was released, Nintendo wouldn't talk about it on any media. No mm -hmm. interviews, nothing. They they are just cashing on the retro scene, but they are not talking to the retro scene. Yeah. And Sega, on the other hand, we had in the podcast and interviewed them when it was um, this um, Sonic Mania was released. So I guess that's also a problem. The different handling of the retro community as a company. And I don't, I don't know what the attitude from Yamaha is, if they even would bother to think about redoing their Yamaha sound chips. Probably there's rather a, not. If there's a market for it, they might. Well, there is a market for it, but probably they're not even considering looking into it. Yeah, yeah interesting. I, I think um, Yamaha did something. Um, he made... Um, some new editions of their classic synthesizers. It's called, I think it's called Reface, Yamaha Reface. Okay. Uh, I think they made a, a, a new version of the DX, of the Yamaha DX7. Mm -hmm. That was the famous one, yeah. Yeah, repackaged re version in a very small keyboard. And um, I think some companies are quite aware that they are pretty popular in the retro scene, like let's say Roland, they also make um, stuff from their old machines and they're rebranding it and re-releasing it again. And um, I think it would be a good thing for every company to be aware that they are popular amongst the retro scene. And uh, yeah, yeah. it would be a lost market to not be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, as we mentioned, the modern consoles... When take take a look at the PlayStation Mini, that was a total disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They were they were aware, but they didn't do good enough. Yeah, I think it's it's quite a mystery because I think such a huge company like Sony, there they made such a half-ass product like the PlayStation. <laughs> it's unbelievable. How can they do this? I think. I think there were millions invested in this, and they now then they come up with something totally buggy and shit like this. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. For example, there's GTA on it, and in the menu, when you select when you select uh, um, an item from the menu, the select sound is just constantly hanging and looping. Yeah, and it was like, how did they do quality control and somebody not not noticing that, you know? <laughs> they didn't. They just didn't, probably. Probably they slapped it on the market and and were like, oh, we have Nintendo. They're making millions on retro. Let's make millions, too, and we don't yeah. care. Yeah. But but as we know, nowadays, um, Nintendo did it easier. They just copied... Um, they just copied or downloaded pirated ROMs and slapped it on the machine. 
They even yeah. didn't care. They even didn't care to remove the cracker code. <laughs> weren't they? Well, no, no, they weren't. Yeah. I yeah. think probably they were. They were probably in a hurry or something like that, and uh, like, oh, we don't have the ROM file. What should we do? Oh, okay, let's download it on <laughs> EMU yeah. file. Yeah, this is actually what they did. Yeah. Nintendo. We are talking about Nintendo, actually. Yes. Yeah, yes. we are talking about Nintendo, yeah. We are talking about the big N uh -huh. who yeah. are yeah. raving and raging about a C64 clone of Mario. Uh -huh. I know. Okay, yeah. then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> First, they took the download side of the ROM files down, and then they used what was on the, <laughs> yeah, they used the sides <laughs> and put it, you know. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean I mean probably they just they just told the programmer jump in this location on the memory so the so the gamers or the the customers don't see that it's that that, that it's a pirate. Well the 64 the 64 mini when that came out it had the same issues where they were just jumping into sections of ROM they were basically just doing a capture of the game and throwing it on there. Exactly. <laughs> yes, and we yes, noticed yes. that so, early on. So, so uh, when you start the game, the the intro music, yeah, it's already the going. Yeah, music would would start in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they essentially, you know, like they you, you got like a super snapshot cartridge over there where you can like like freeze the game and save it. And that's exactly what they did. They they froze the game, saved the ROM, and stuck it in there. And yeah, so you start up, everything's right where you left off, right where you froze it, right in the middle of the intro or something. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I think these retro consoles were all probably a bit lazy. I think um, it's. I think most of these retro mini consoles seem to me like uh, easy cash grab. For oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. On the companies. And, um, well, if I would be a company, I would probably do it too because it's a shame. It's a quite, quite safe thing, and uh, let's cash in, all right, why not? But um, I would probably put some more effort in it. Like, for example, make make cartridges run on it. Why, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not make a Super Nintendo Mini with with a shape to have an actual cartridge run yes. on it? I, don't, I just don't get it. I just mm -hmm. don't get it. Well, because that would require extra development. You look at you look at something like the the Mega 65. There, they've been developing this thing for years because they've got to go through the whole process of reverse engineering the chips and rebuilding the entire architecture to run a cartridge and do all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the I other way you could just make an emulator. But I think it would it would make the the thing much more um interesting oh, to yeah. to um to real read retro fans, not only some uh hipster retro fans. <laughs> <laughs> Retro fans, let's call it. I think it would make it more valuable for everyone yeah. when they put a little bit more effort in it, probably. Yeah, yeah. I did just see a, a video where they were trying to get a floppy drive to work on a uh, 64 mini or, or, ah, really? or, or a uh, or the 64, maybe there was a full size one. The, the Maxi, ah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, oh, take care. <laughs> Which was... so, so... Did they, did they achieve it with the floppy drive? I think they kind of got it. They were using it through the USB port, and it was they were rigging up a thing. I don't know if they were actually successful because I didn't watch the whole video, but they huh? were working on it. They were trying to see if they could get an actual floppy to uh, to, to function okay. on it. But I mean, that's that's beyond the the technical know how of most people that are going to get these things. 
Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. The normal uh, John Q. Public layman yeah. will probably not notice that the game music starts in the beginning, or s- right. or that it's a crack. Or of, they won't care. The game he yeah. used to know, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Right. The, on the upside, it does bring in more uh, a, a bigger audience because now you've got people that are are using this as just a yeah, they're getting it to play a quick game or two. But now, oh hey, we might be able to we can. There's new stuff being produced, so we can actually download that and stick it on a USB drive and play it. Yeah. So it yeah, does it does increase the audience uh, for developers to yeah. actually point to, but otherwise, really interesting that stuff like the C64. Uh, I think the C64 Mini was also available at the German discounter Lidl. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it's quite it's quite fascinating to see that stuff like this ends up in a discounter supermarket. And uh, yeah, yeah, get your potatoes, be a good German, and your kraut and your your sausage yeah. and uh, a Some... little C64 Mini, you know, for the kids, you know. <laughs> Next to the Kinder Surprise Egg. Just you know? like just like Silver Aldi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was okay with Aldi too, yeah. 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 It was. <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's interesting. All right. Maybe I should try to to uh, release my music also at Aldi or Penny or <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> Super Nintendo cartridges uh, at the where the Kinder Überraschung is. Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Nice. I would like that. <laughs> wow. So we we not only spoke today a lot about music, but also about cartridges, <laughs> floppy disks, <laughs> voltage fires, whatever. <laughs> it's a technical journey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very cool. Um, you, you probably didn't know what you would yourself get into when you decided to support cartridge releases and stuff. Definitely, definitely. There were many issues where I didn't dream of them before, uh, and um, there were times where where the whole process got very stressy and very. Um, exhausting and um, especially when it comes down to bug fixing and um, there were many times in the project where some bugs were so present and they were so merciless that we uh, we were just about to quit the project but um, <laughs> uh, really? fortunately we did. oh yeah yeah there were especially with the um, at the end of the project the Super Nintendo album there was I think there was one track that was constantly skipping for whatever reason and uh, always skipping at the same um, the same uh, second and um, we were very uh, desperate to, to get the uh, bug uh, fixed but um, I think it took days to fix it and it was very brutal. <laughs> well, you could yeah. have said it's emulating a record player. And that's my yeah, skipping yeah. that part all the time, you know. Yeah, you gotta smack <laughs> it so it goes back on track. It was it was skipping and then it was ending. It was hanging and uh, it was bad, and um, yeah, it was a very bad time in the project. But in the end, we really 
we're happy to to get things done and i really have to say that um also the coder mo life who is also from the scene did a, an awesome job and um he's, he's so young and um he's so talented and um i was so happy to work with him and um it really turned out pretty good in the end I was young, but not talented. Mola <laughs> yeah, is, is definitely really young and really talented, and um, it's awesome that. Um, I don't know how young he is. I think at, I think 19 or something like that. When you have this in mind, he is such a good developer for the Super Nintendo. And I think the time when the Super Nintendo was big, he wasn't even born, and that really freaked me out. And um, it's so awesome. So awesome that such a young developer is so much into an old system and um wow. Yeah, I, I know I know somebody in the scene who is into uh, repairing CRT monitors and TVs and he's in his twenties. So awesome. so well there is there is a community of youngsters being backward interested, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting. That the the young people are interested in such old things. Um, very cool. That's all I have to say. Very cool. Well, when when we are not anymore, they are the ones we have to rely on in really? a, in a, in a part of time, you know. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. So, so where can people go to find uh find your stuff? Ah, yeah, okay, yeah. Of course, they can find my stuff on Bandcamp. They just have to type remute.bandcamp.com. There you can find actually all my albums, either in digital formats or also in physical formats. Some are uh, sold out right now. Some will get repressed or reprinted one day. <laughs> some will not. But uh, if you want to buy some stuff, check out remute.bandcamp.com. And um, you can also buy it on Evil Amazon. But, um, <laughs> Evil Amazon, okay. <laughs> but uh, I think um, better go to Bandcamp. Ah, okay. Ah. We'll put a link to everything in the podcast description so people can go there and check before, it out. Before we before we end, before we end, as you say, Evil Amazon. Um, <laughs> um, there was there was this uh, game for the Super Nintendo like two years ago. Unholy Nights, that was the first commercial game since 20 years. And yeah. it was exclusively shipped by Amazon USA at some point. And yeah. they couldn't get enough enough um, they couldn't get enough copies fast enough to send it out. So actually I was I was talking to Amazon USA on the phone like, I ordered this 10 weeks ago. Where is my order? And they told me, we, we, we didn't calculate that we, would, that we would sell so many units on a, on yeah. a bit of up game made by um, old SNK dudes, you know, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for Super Nintendo, you know. So yeah, yeah. even Amazon was totally, um, well, overwhelmed with the success of such a, such a game. Right, I think a joke aside, I think Amazon is um, of course also pretty uh, it's it's a very important distributor of my stuff and um, of course a lot of stuff gets sold by Amazon and um, it's also fascinating to see that also quite huge corporations like Amazon are 
uh, into the retro stuff these days. I think it, it got so important that even corporations like Amazon <laughs> care for it. And um, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I wonder how, how this did happen, you know, like, I, uh, I'm a retro developer, would you like to exclusively distribute my game and it's done? <laughs> I wonder what happened, what happened there. But, uh... Yeah, I think Amazon has quite, um, probably quite, um, quite good management, who is also pretty much into the gaming scene and um, who are very open towards gaming trends. And I think they, they are seeking out for for many opportunities and i think they're quite um cooperative yeah mm. thanks so nice okay yeah. was nice really yeah i fun. learned a lot more than i thought i would today sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice it's nice cool so, thanks a lot thank you, thank you very much yeah absolutely um see you soon talk soon all right sure okay. thank you very much. and good night yes thank you for Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah.